Welcome to episode three of the Oxfordshire Teacher Training Podcast. I'm delighted to be sitting down with uh, my dear colleague Sally Price and uh, we're going to be exploring lots of things to do in particular with well-being and self-care today and you'll find out why in the next few minutes. So Sally, welcome so much. Welcome, I'm um, very pleased to be here. I'm delighted that you're with us. Um, perhaps just for those of you who don't know you and your connection with Oxfordshire Teacher Training, maybe a tiny potted history of um, where you've got to to get to this stage now. Okay, so I think I must have trained to teach originally in secondary modern foreign languages um, in the year leading up to the death of Princess Diana, so 96, 97, yeah. something yeah. like that. Um, and that was in Oxfordshire, and since then I've been mostly teaching secondary French, German and Spanish, um, but always had an interest in initial teacher training, so right. quite quickly I was a mentor and then professional tutor and sort of had various links with the different um, options of teacher training over those last two decades. Yeah. And then about four years ago, I focused solely on supporting the well-being of those training to teach um, within Oxfordshire Teacher Training. I know that you are hugely valued by so many people who work <coughs> with you. Um, and to the extent to which, really, uh, you, you've been asked to write a book, which has just been published. Yes, so very exciting. Perhaps you'd just like to tell us a tiny bit about, uh, about how that came about. Yeah. And then we'll start to explore in a bit more detail some of the, the themes that you've decided are the ones that needed to go in the book. Yeah, OK. So this um, really came about through the links with NASBIT, the National Association for School-Based Teacher Trainers. Yes. I've always had quite an... Uh, and interested not not just in teaching and teacher training but in the research side of things um, and keen for every, everyone really to recognize that just because you teach doesn't mean you're not interested in critical no. thinking no. Um, so that really led me to write a proposal and luckily it, it became a published book absolutely and it was published uh, where are we now probably the end of October yeah. November, yeah, wasn't it? So, right. so it's been around for a few, a few weeks now, yeah. and I know many people have read it. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it, I have Thank to you. say. You have to say that, though, Matthew. Don't well, you? <laughs> you can say I have to say that, but I really did enjoy reading it. And I, I, even though I've worked with you very closely for a mm. number of years, there are still things that I was picking up from the book uh, because I was able to look at them in a bit more detail yeah. and reflect on them a little bit more. Yeah. What I thought might be useful to start with is we'll, we'll have a look at a few of the key themes that yeah. came out through the chapters um, we, we won't have time to look at every single one of them, but um, we'll start at the beginning. And yeah. uh, so your first chapter is, is uh, core values. Yeah. We take a lot of our um, preventative wellbeing steps here at Oxfordshire Teacher Training from a seminal work from 2003 by Lur and Schwartz in America, who look essentially, first of all, at the world of work, not really education, yeah. but the idea of um, performance and how your well-being relates to how well you perform and job satisfaction and from an employer's point of view, um, reducing absenteeism or presenteeism. One of the key things that keeps people motivated, it seems, is whether or not they're in touch with what essentially motivated them to do their job in the first place. Right. So we ask our... Um, associate teachers who train with us very early on to think about why they're training and what motivates them to want to work with children and we review those come back to those 
often during the year, um, in, especially at times of challenge for them, just to, yeah. to reconnect them with themselves and their, and their motivation. Mike Cully came up with three factors which were common in those who do get yeah. successfully recruited and then get their QTS and, uh, and continue to, to kind of thrive. Yeah, um, the key thing about all this really is yeah. that you need to be person-centred and everybody's different. Um, however, it did seem to ring true when he was speaking at, um, a couple of years ago at the Kassam Stadium to a variety of local teaching colleagues and he was saying that when you decide to want to teach it, you often have the personality traits of being high rule conscious so that means you've got an innate desire to follow written and unwritten rules not always the case but just a generalization the second one is low vigilance which is that you have a predominantly positive and trusting nature you have faith in human nature and the ability of young people um, and you're not really skeptical at all and the third trait is a high drive towards perfectionism it may well be that at least one of those yeah uh, can actually be the, the source of tension really yeah and and the idea of it being okay to make mistakes and in yeah. fact helpful to make mistakes is is it is is tense because we're mm. we're striving for excellence all the yeah. time absolutely there's a mismatch there exactly exactly so um, our, our podcast is is very much uh, something that we hope that uh, people who are mentors with well, teach training uh, are going to be uh, using and listening to and getting ideas from here yeah so if you if you can imagine that you're you're a mentor working with an associate teacher and, and they, they were having issues potentially mm. with, with one of those things. For example, the, the thing of perfectionism. Yeah. And particularly at the beginning when you don't necessarily know exactly what you need to do in order mm. to, to get that fantastic lesson where everyone's making great progress yeah. and is motivated and, and you're doing it efficiently. Yeah. Have you got any tips potentially for, uh, for mentors that might help them or at least I think pointers? We've yeah. worked with so many brilliant mentors yeah. and, and sharing ideas amongst each other is, is one of the key ones but I think just being able to break things down and quite quickly into your training year you realise what it is you don't know but you want yes. to know everything straight away yes. um, and, and a, a mentor being able to say to them just focus on this this week or this term or this month and look at how other people do it ask how other people find it what are the pitfalls and what are the challenges and and that makes it okay to talk about the fact there are challenges even if you've been teaching 30 40 years Fantastic. which kind of leads into chapter two of your book which is um, all about coping mechanisms mm. so one one which is potentially a, a, a challenge for for many yeah. is uh, is the the culture of schools getting there and and working incessantly until yeah. the end of the school day um, when of course we all know it doesn't stop and yeah. it carries on and yeah. it carries on and carries on. Yeah, so I'm so. interested in not only in how that's just not sustainable. Yeah, <laughs> Really it's not rocket science that people no. are leaving if that's the case, but also the role modelling that gives for young people and they might think therefore that to be an adult is to work yourself into the ground and not yeah. enjoy particularly what you're doing which is a shame yes. and it's not right no if you're wanting to get maximum enjoyment out of what you do which is i hope what teachers yeah. want to do of having to disengage regularly during the school day from that work that's quite polemic because you may be expected to be on site all day or you may be expected to be visible or at hand and 
as well as um, messages you might have got, rightly or wrongly, from colleagues at your placement school, mm. there's also your inner negative talk yes, going on as yes. well. So we encourage trainees to, to ask colleagues and say, you know, well, if I'm on a PPA, do I have to stay on site? What are the opportunities to um, go off site? Do we ever have walking meetings here? What's the rule about drinking water in class? Um, you know, all those sorts of things which, which go to make um, for a happy, healthy, sustained Absolutely. working week yes. are important. And, um, and many mentors may not know what's happening at the moment in the NHS and the way that, that yeah. they're approaching things. So, so as usual, the, an NHS are a kind of step ahead of schools. And what, what strikes me when I'm doing the one-to-one -one confidential coaching sessions, which is another reason why I wanted to write the book about the common themes that come up, not obviously going into detail no, about personal things, is that we're all intelligent people in schools and yet we, yes. in, we insist on driving ourselves into the ground and we insist yes. on, on promoting this ideal that to be successful you don't have breaks and you can last without eating yes. or going to the loo or any yes. of the basic things. So with the NHS they've created a roadmap and they've created um, various um, initiatives which have meant that it's expected that NHS staff look after their own well-being through self-care. Um, there are great resources, for example, uh, in 2018, the NHS framework for um, health and well-being came out. So that looks right from leadership and management to data and communication, healthy working environment, and then self-care in terms of your own mental health, healthy lifestyles, including nutrition and musculoskeletal health as well. So the, uh, the idea is messages throughout the organisation is that you need to be looking after yourself and your employers need to provide opportunities for you to do that, yes. not just outside work, but in work as absolutely, well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think for, for some associate teachers and, and particularly for some mentors this this is something that you, you might be thinking well of course that makes complete sense but I can't do it in my school at the moment and I, I suppose really it's that idea of, of saying this this is the golden opportunity to, yeah. to start to challenge and question yeah. the, the working practices that that maybe historically yes. have been tried out in schools but there is, there is a change, isn't there? There is a change, and it's knowing how to start that conversation yes. if it's not happened already, because, yes. you, of course, you want to please everyone on placement. Course, you might course. want a job at that school at the yeah. end of the year. But to not address those concerns no. is missing a trick, as you Absolutely. suggest. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also if you're, if you're a mentor working with Oxfordshire Teacher Training, or indeed a mentor working with anyone training to be a teacher at the moment, one of the things that you can be having is that that conversation with with the, the senior members of the staff in your school yeah and saying well no this this is what's what's hopefully going to be happening across the whole yeah. country and across the profession in the next few years yeah um how can we be at, at the forefront of doing this because yeah. um i don't you know there, there is now a sufficient body of evidence out there that that shows that uh by actually putting in those breaks, yeah. you're going to become more productive as well. Absolutely, and you know, workload management is now accepted as something yeah. that's useful to discuss, but I think yes. part of that is taking these strategic rituals of disengagement during the day, even in the classroom mm. I would advocate, and I know that, that I don't please everyone when I say that. Yeah. Chapter three of your book is entitled Emotional Lexicon. Yes. 
Mentors want to get the most out of their associate teachers training yeah. and vice versa. They were, you want to be accepted as quickly as possible in mm. your school placement. Um, you might not know the, when you come into a new school the sort of ethos and culture. It might take you a while to tune into it yeah. or to be accepted. Yeah. Um, and there are also aspects of your own personal belief, going back to the core values that you believe strongly about. And it, it's very, very easy to offend because teachers do a lot of talking and maybe not so much listening. (laughs) Um, But choosing the right words is, I would say, one of the most important things between that in that mentor trainee relationship. Um, So something we do at the beginning, for example, is that disc awareness work with our esteemed governor, Mandy Clegg. Um, So right from the beginning, as soon as mentors meet their associate teachers, they work on discussing you know what makes you tick what makes you angry what makes me angry do I like being emailed at the weekend or not how are we going to communicate between um, when we see each other and all that stuff is so important preventatively um, at the beginning so that those challenges later on um, have something to hook back on to in terms of solutions you you talk about sympathy and empathy oh yes uh, because of the work that I do one-to-one, yeah. either with mentors or with associate teachers, it's often, you know, a trainee might come to me and say, I'm really frustrated, my mentor doesn't understand this aspect about me or this aspect about my work. And the mentor will come to me and say very similar things mm. and a bit like a sort of parent people um, restorative piece of work that you're working to that you might mediate what you want them to do is just basically listen to each other more however this is from the book so new teachers tell me that when they hit a problem the difference between a good and a great mentor is the difference between sympathy and empathy between the I'm glad I'm not you and the I understand I hear and I see how hard it is for you it's very very easy when you're busy and mentoring is just one of your roles to dismiss somebody panicking about setting up a starter when for you that's just not something you'd panic about but as soon as you empathize and join them on there where they are it's much more easy to, to support yeah, yeah. a solution it does it really does does do that the, the book has some, some very important sections in it about um, self-care mm. and um, I think one of the things that you've managed to achieve in the in, in the book is, is some practical advice mm. And um, obviously, we don't want to give away the whole, all of the advice in it, because it would be great for people to want to get out and get a copy of the book themselves. But um, maybe just share some of the things in there that you, you feel are particularly pertinent ones. As mentors, you're, you've got such a powerful role in terms of role modelling. Um, so if you're bounded in terms of what you say yes to in your workload, or you know your your personal life and the boundary between that and your professional life and what you're prepared to compromise on and what not, then that's a really good message, a role model for someone who's just coming into the profession. It doesn't mean you'll always agree. It could be, it could, and it often does take negotiation. But, um, I mean, lots of schools already, particularly primary schools, I would say, are taking up the five ways to well-being, which Mm. is something that the New Economics Foundation started back in 2008. Originally looking at um, the world of work and corporate business but the NHS and schools now it's a very simple five-step plan that that experienced colleagues can usefully role model so taking notice being active keeping learning 
connecting and giving. So it might be something simple as giving yourself a break and not being too hard on yourself after a lesson that yeah. went didn't go particularly well. Yeah. If a mentor can actually role model that to a, an associate teacher, that is so powerful because what you're saying is, okay, I'm not perfect, yeah. but this is what I do when it goes wrong and this is how I get better. Um, could be connecting with people outside work. So um, the um, Anna Richards at Norfolk and Suffolk Skit do a lot of work with the Relationships Foundation on the importance, and it doesn't sound, well it sounds completely logical, but the importance of having a good network of friends outside school. Um, and so keeping in touch with friends, even if you feel like you've got a big workload and it, it's not uncommon for trainees to, to be working late into the night, yeah. it's kind of almost a rite of passage it feels. Yeah. But if you can keep up and boost your emotional energy with keeping in touch with people who know and love you and who, with whom you have fun, you're more likely to keep buoyant through that long, I dark term towards Christmas. Absolutely, absolutely. No case there. Sometimes things do get to a stage where you need just that little bit more support than you're going to get within within schools. And you've, you've got a chapter which, which looks at that. Mm. Um, so chapter seven is called yes. When You Need More Than School Colleagues for Support. I suppose even the title suggests that actually it's good and it's professional to mm. seek support in school when you're stuck. Yeah. And in fact, that relates to Teacher Standard 8B, I believe, knowing when and where to seek yes. support. And that's yeah. not just on curriculum and teaching. I think it's about every aspect of I your think so. role. Yeah, I think so. um, but I think, I mean, schools are getting on board with the fact that signposting when people are feeling fragile um, is really important and it's probably not as clear as it could be in some schools so you know if you're if you're really struggling with your mental health as a teacher do you necessarily know where to get help N not always and would you want to open up about that with with your colleagues probably not if the culture isn't already promoting yes, that in your school culture, yeah so this this chapter is talking about why why it's important and what you can do really um there are lots of links here to tried and tested national but also local sources of support um i think something that we haven't mentioned which i probably should have by now really is is the 10 steps towards school staff well-being which yes. which has been created by the fantastic anna freud center for children and families the first one is is there a staff mental health lead or champion who is responsible for coordinating the school's approach to staff mental well-being and ensuring it remains on the agenda the second one is, is there a mental health policy that addresses the needs of staff? Is it regularly reviewed and how is the policy embedded and communicated so that all staff are aware of it? So by all staff, that not, that's not just teaching staff, but everybody. Um, the third one, how does the ethos of the school promote openness about mental well-being and encourage staff to feel comfortable about sharing concerns? That's really important and I think that's to do linked, to do, linked with supervision and the importance of t all teachers having a safe space to offload that, that mental caseload that comes with teaching, yeah. just as it comes yeah. with social work or people working in the NHS, and dealing with yeah. tricky stuff. Yeah. Um, the fourth one, are there opportunities for clinical and confidential supervision? There we go, yeah. just mentioned that. Yeah. Um, the fifth, could supervision be offered outside line management? I think it's important because as soon as you get into mixing the two, you're, you're more more likely not to want to share about yes, your personal yes. struggles. 
The sixth one is, could measures to reduce workload or limit hours spent working outside the school day be trialled? This is really contentious. I think each context has its own views on how that works, yeah. but there are good things happening. So you're starting to see, even at, at uh, you know, national level, mm. that sense of, we, we want to try and, and focus on what really matters. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, 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 at some point we'll get to the stage where we'll focus on what matters without adding in anything extra on top of yeah. that. And yeah. and that. That's always a, such a key part of trying to understand is what, what can you remove, not what can you add in. Yeah, I agree. And the seventh point is, is there a comfortable, dedicated physical space within the school where staff members can take time out if mm. needed? Um, are there opportunities, number eight, for staff to participate in activities with colleagues that are not linked to their work? Now, this might sound counterintuitive, but of course, the closer you feel in terms of relating with colleagues, the more likely it is you're going to be agreeing on those challenges that come across your work every day. The ninth, is it feasible to introduce a staff wellbeing survey? There are so many surveys around and you don't yes. want to add to people's no, work, no, no, but just no. just the acknowledgement from the whole school ethos that your voice matters is really important. Right. That autonomy, which yes. may be perceived to be missing in some settings, needs to be put back on, on a pedestal, I think. And then the last one, is the mental wellbeing of staff an agenda item at staff and governor meetings, and increasingly I've seen that true in, yes, in Oxfordshire schools, definitely, thankfully. Definitely, I've seen that a lot, a lot now. So, lots and lots of really useful uh, information backed up with some fantastic research, um, loads and loads of practical tips and ideas in the book, which I know people will find really, really helpful to work their way through. Oh, I hope so. And uh, not surprisingly, those of you who know, know Sally, um, we're finishing with. Uh, a chapter which is described as prioritising <laughs> gratitude. So this and is the cheesy chapter, yes, really, but it, yes. um, the more I've, I've been practising what I preach, and, the, and it does seem a bit, it makes you squirm a little bit to begin with if you're not used to practising yes. gratitude, but actually it only takes a couple of weeks for it to become a habit, and then your glass half empty perspective on certain aspects of your job can become quite quickly more positive. So, um, and this is all stuff I've learnt from new teachers that I've worked with over the last few years, mm. one particular one, just so inspiring how he changed his very, very anxious starts to the day to the point that it was affecting him physically, not being yeah. able to get out of bed. Um, so changing that anxiety, a really heightened sense of anxiety, so lots of negative energy, mm. into excitement about the school day. And it sounds simple, but actually it can be done. So you're changing challenges to opportunities, anxiety to excitement, reluctance to anticipation, resentment to thanks. So one a very, very common uh, problem that people come and see me about is a colleague they're not getting on with. Yeah. So that might be a mentor who's not getting yeah. on with a trainee or vice versa or somebody else. And my dear departed supervisor, Nick Luxmore, who, who has lots of references in this work because his writing is amazing, um, he often talks about the fact that actually hatred is much more closely linked to love than we think. So I'm not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting yes. that actually when you come and say you hate a colleague, you actually love them. But actually you're feeling really strong about an aspect that you don't agree on because it really matters to you. And so if we can move away from that demonising or idolatry sort of aspect, that polarised aspect of colleagues, but actually start to think, OK, so what has this challenge given me an opportunity to do or... What are their strengths, even if 
I'm really annoyed about this aspect yeah. about them. So Sally, thank you so much for spending some time with us this, Not uh, at all. It's been for, great. for this episode of the podcast. Um, I would strongly advise anyone who hasn't uh, seen a copy of Sally's book to read it. It's just wonderful. Um, the, the title of the book is... Mental Wellbeing and Self-Care. Sally, thank you so much. Um, we are very, very lucky as an organisation to, to be able to work with you. And uh, if this is a way for others to be able to, to, to kind of grab a little bit of you um, through the book, please do do that. Um, and in the show notes, there'll be details of how you can get hold of that book. It's, it's available um, in all good bookshops and it's also available um, through uh, Amazon and other, other online providers as well. But uh, we'll, we'll leave some links so that you can get hold of a copy of that if you want to. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.